it's a it's a kind of a renaissance both in the vegan world of being intersectional of being like hey we have a voice in the vegan world too and it's also a culinary experience of being like hey well we have skill and there's something coming out here that's flavorful playful amazing imaginative and you're missing out just because it's being labeled vegan welcome to the catch-up Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, Editor-in-Chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously, of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms, It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. Welcome back to the catch-up, y'all. I'm really excited this week. I'm really excited, Jeff. Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving week, bro. It feels like we're back in school We're almost done. Yeah, tomorrow's (laughs) off. Feels like like a vacation. But um, this week, uh, we have our guest, Raul Medina. The chef and owner behind the Taqueria La Venganza pop-up. His tacos recently won an award for best taco in L.A. from the L.A. publication L.A. Taco. After competing with 30 non-vegan taco joints to beat them all out. That's insane. And that, I wanted him on the pod not just because he's making some of the most inventive and delicious tacos around. But I think we got a treasure chest of knowledge to pick about his cooking techniques, about the business of pop-ups, building an authentic online audience. Your Instagram is cracking off. People follow you wherever you go because they want to eat your food. They want to know your opinion about other vegan restaurants, veganism in general, and I think you're a wealth of knowledge on Mexican culture, and I could get I could get schooled. I could get we schooled. We could get man. schooled. Yeah, yeah. So I know Jeff and I last night, we went to your uh, pop-up at the Mission Bar here in downtown Santa Ana. That was cool. Fuego. Jeff's first Fuego. experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Welcome yeah. to the pod, Welcome man. to no, the pod, Roll. Let him hear you your voice. Thank you very much for bro. having me. Hey. hey that, that was incredibly <laughs> thorough. I'm like, <laughs> I think you touched on every single point. I'm, I'm like done here. We're, we're good. Cool. All right. That was the shortest podcast ever. Well, I mean, the first time I got introduced to your spot was on social media. Yeah. A friend of mine, Wally Vu. Shout out to the plant-based guy. He's yeah. getting a lot of shout outs recently on the yeah. podcast um he tagged me in these tacos and i was like what whatever dude vegan tacos <laughs> <laughs> miss me with this shit i get tagged in a lot of food on instagram like why and he was like no we gotta go it's at this bar he this dude just pops up and everyone's gonna be there i was like okay f- fine so we go we walk into this mission bar it's this uh it's a super cutty bar. Like, there's not. It's a small, very local, narrow, very narrow bar. It's a dive. Dude. Dude, yeah. It's a dive. straight up. It's straight up as a dive. Yeah. Can't can't paint it any other color. Um, and when I walk in that one day, it's a couple months back, dude. It was. It, I was told seven o'clock. These tacos are gonna show up. Yeah. I show up seven o five. I'm like, cool. I'm kind of early. I'm on time. Uh, <laughs> lines out the door. Yeah. Uh, they're not, some of them are drinking beer. Most of them are waiting for these, these tacos and the guy's not there. 
You are yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I like to make them wave, bro. <laughs> so I see, so I'm like, Wally, what's up, man? How long do we have to wait for these tacos? And he's like, no, just, Wally's like, just get in line, man. It's going to be cool. We're going to meet some people. We're going to get some drinks. So we start drinking a little bit. Sure enough, like 7.15, 7.20, you show up. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I don't know you yet, but I know that you're coming in with like a cooler uh-huh. and like carrying <laughs> shit, like bags and stuff, like roaming into- Coming in like a bag lady, bro. That's that's how I come in. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck is this rock star? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who's late to their own show? What, what's going on? Exactly. And then sure enough, everyone was still happy though. In line, people, I met people in line. It was mad cool. And after that experience, I had your taco short story long and- incredible fire thank you guys you had taquitos on the menu too Uh and i think something that you missed was the fact that when you walk into this bar like i did last night seven o'clock ish you're looking around like where are these where are these tacos going to come from Mm -hmm. like because because you look in the space and yeah there was a place in the back that had some kegs in it but you literally come in within 10 15 minutes you've got your hot plate up you've got your entire situation up and kind of transform this i'm assuming it's a eight by seven space you know that's and it's literally and you and then the line moved fast because just yo tacos nachos what do you want and and it's all vegan and it's all vegan it's all it's all vegan yeah, and I, and I hate questions too. So it's like, just hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, is you it gluten free? Sure, why not? I don't care. Just hurry, just hurry up. There's obviously a gluten free option for you. So. so how did it all start? Like, what started the the taqueria? I was hungry, <laughs> bro. I'm not even kidding you. I was hungry. I've been a vegan for about nine years now, and about like the fourth year, I was just desperate for a good taco, and there was none. I mean, things had kale in it, things had sweet potato in it, and I was like, this isn't a fucking taco, this is a salad, you know, this is like, yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. I'll call it California cuisine, <laughs> sure. hard, just, you know, to be nice, yeah. but it's not a taco, you know. I wanted carnitas, I wanted chicharron, I wanted tripas, I wanted something that I remember from my youth, that kind of nostalgic flavor. Yeah. And it just wasn't there, so I said, fuck it, I'll have to do it myself. Uh, I was living in Chinatown in Oakland. And there's just flavor like crazy everywhere, you know. You go to any other spot, they have a vegan thing because everyone's Buddhist out there. And the flavor is ridiculous. And you're just like, wow, this is what I need. You know, this kind of like seasoning that's all plant-based, but it's so aggressive that it's going to make up for whatever blandness tofu has. So I started like shopping around and I found like South African spices and Vietnamese spices and Japanese spices. And I said, all right, I can make this taste porky. You know, I can make it taste kind of beefy. I can make it taste like this. Uh, so I started making tacos out of tofu, out of tofu skins. Mm. That was like a big one that I was like, wow, I see tofu skin everywhere in Oakland. You know, all these different like Asian shops are using it in different ways, but nobody's making a taco out of it. Nobody's trying to like replicate meat. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, so I started shredding it up. I started tasting it. <laughs> I, I, I'm my own worst enemy, dude. I, I don't trust myself. I don't trust my, my taste. You know, I'm fully ego. Maybe I'll be like, oh, that's great. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I used to invite girls from OkCupid on dates. <laughs> that's oh, what man. I was reading about. I was reading about the, now, the this, date testing. This is like the most evil thing about me, but also it's amazing. It's a great date. You know, hey, you want to get tacos at the lake? Who's going to say no to that? You know. Like, <laughs> and so while they're there and we're eating, I would be like, well, what do you think of the taco? <laughs> 
and they had no idea that you prepared them. No, they, I mean they knew that I that I made them. I'm like, you know, I, I made this taco for for us for this date, you know, for this amazing date at the lake that we had. You know, I'm cheap as fuck. I'm, like, I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'd rather taste my own cooking. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm very foo foo about vegan food. I don't like a lot of vegan food because it's just under flavored. There's a lot of amazing things out there. Yeah, and I repeatedly eat that, but. <laughs> Uh, so I'd go on these dates and I'd always be like, hey, so what'd you think of the flavor? You know, if you were going to pay for this taco, how much would you pay for the taco? <laughs> <laughs> You're like A-B testing with your <laughs> <dates>. <laughs> It's the best research ever, honestly, because I mean, you know, you get a wide mix of flavor and if they didn't like me, maybe I had like a customer afterwards or something, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> when did, when did that turn into, <clears throat> I've got something here, I've got feedback from the people around me and i'm gonna did it start by bringing it to friends that you knew parties that you knew how did how did that concept materialize honestly i was working in immigration defense and that's a depressing ass job there's a lot of cases that you just can't win there's a lot of cases you think you're gonna win it's just like wow we're really excited for this one and just because some judge in texas is an ass we lost great shit and that shit's depressing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm making a difference because I'm working for immigration defense. But am I really? Because all these consultations are really for my lawyer, and he's getting 200 bucks a pop from him. And I already know that they don't win, that they can't win, you know? I'm like, you have three DUIs. What the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Like, there's like go home, lock the door, <laughs> stop getting drunk when you go out and drive, you know, and, and take care of your kids. It's like, you're, you're not going to win this case, so why are you even here for this consultation? You're paying our bills. That was, like, the most depressing thing ever. Because you're watching people pour their money away to stuff that's just not going to go in their favor. And the problem is that they're so hopeful mm. that they're going to pour whatever fucking money they can. They'll mm. go into debt for it. Yeah. They'll ask their families to go into debt for it. Yeah, immigration law has got to be worse because as having a lot of lawyer friends, you hear a lot of depressing stuff even when you're dealing with family law, you're dealing with any kind of law. You're, they treat these lawyers like they're supposed to get them out of trouble, but really the lawyers are being paid on hour to just... Try to sift you through some bullshit, and there's no guarantee you're going to win. And every good lawyer is going to tell you, like, yeah, there's no guarantee. We're going to try to get you as far. So you just being part of that process burnt you out. And, and it's not like I, I could at least hate on my lawyer and be like, yeah, this, this damn you lawyer. No, it was like, mm. this guy's literally trying to help everybody can. Mm -hmm. We do have to pay our bills. This guy, I mean, he went into debt to do what he does. He speaks five languages. He's like, he was a damn good lawyer. And it's like, I don't want to be pulled between that, between being like, well, this is my job. But this is not my calling because I can't tell people, hey, you're screwed. Don't don't come here and pay our bills. Right. Because I'm going to anger somebody in that process. So did, that did you was there a moment where it was just I can't I can't do this anymore. And was it I have to figure out something right now? Or did you start dabbling in tacos while you were at? Uh, the defense attorney or like during this whole time I was making food for myself and like I said on those dates and everything and I started I was a bit depressed I was like you know what would my grandpa do what would my father do like what would anybody in their right mind do in this situation where I can't do my job anymore I'm gonna go to the street and at least do something you know so I uh, bought like a blackstone griddle or something uh, online I'm like, whatever. I had it sent to the to the immigration office because <laughs> I was living in like a in an efficiency in downtown. And it's like, you know, the second that gets delivered, it's going to get jacked like yeah. that. You know, I wasn't living in a great spot in Oakland. So I got it. I like wheel it down to my spot. I like literally lived like a block away from my job. And, 
you know, I within the week, I opened up. Like, uh, I was on Instagram for a bit before, and Instagram is really where, like, the vegan community kind of comes out. You put one hashtag, vegans of Instagram, vegans that. of LA, vegans of whatever, and suddenly everyone's looking at your stuff, or at least you put a little bit of, like, notice on the right. blip, a blip on the map. Uh, the first time I went out there, there were 30 people waiting. So your first time? The first where did, time. Where did, you, where did you put it? Just right on the street? Right outside of my studio. Did you know anything about, like, here's the laws, not, someone's going to shut me absolutely down? Absolutely <laughs> not. I was so depressed, I didn't give a shit. I was like, I'm going to do this. If they stop me, I don't care. I still have my immigration job. Yeah. If I have to go back to the grind, I'll go back to the grind. But I need to be out here with my neighbors. I need to feed all these, like, all the vagrants. I need to feed everybody who's out here who I know, my neighbors or whatever. And maybe they'll support me. Maybe they won't. I have this vegan community that's been checking me out on Instagram. Maybe they're going to, like, support. I had no freaking idea. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have gloves. I didn't have that. I mean, it was like, I, I'm, I've never had a job in food, you know? Shit. What well, was on the menu? First time. First Hold time on. was carnitas. That's it. That's carnitas. It. Carnitas. Just tacos de carnitas. And tell me what that means for you in comparison to what I'm assuming a, lot, a large part of our listenership is thinking in their head, text, texturally, ingredient-wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not, I, I remember that flavor. Specifically, I remember carnitas uruapan. Here in Santa Ana, they have like uh, a little store out here called Carnitas Uruapan, who kind of does uh, does it justice. But there's a style of carnitas because everybody thinks Mexican food is like you know tacos, burritos, this and that. It's right. regional, completely regional. And in Michoacan, it's all about pork. And everybody has their own little recipe. And this region called Uruapan has the ultimate recipe. It has citrus. It has uh, oregano. It has some. Some use Coca Cola in it. Some do like different things. It's all variations, but it's amazing. And for me, it's like it has to have that flavor. It has to have a texture that's like pull apart. You know, a very shredded texture, but at the same time, it holds together. And then one thing that I noticed in the vegan community is nobody is trying to replicate fat or cartilage mm. that's so fascinating about your food and yeah and i loved fat and cartilage when i was a kid dude. like my we would have carnesadas you know and they have the siete wet the regular seven bone steak whatever you know little and there's those little pieces of cartilage that you chew on uh, yeah you keep chewing on oh and chewing God. on and chew i love that i used to love that stuff yeah the little gristle coming off i loved it it was great it was fatty and smoky and like dissolves in your mouth nobody in veganism could do that satan is rubbery as hell like everything was just rubbery and crunchy and just too hard. Like, do you think they didn't want to do that? Do you want? Do they want to get away from it? Do they not know that people like that part? Is that how out of touch some people who were making vegan food were? There's, I mean, there's got to be a taboo when they're thinking, how lifelike can I make this? If the mm -hmm. real version actually freaks me out and I don't want to eat it, how lifelike can I actually make it? Are they thinking of gristle? Are they thinking of cartilage? Hell no. They're thinking, oh, I want it to taste like pepperoni. Or I want it to taste like ham. Or I want it to taste like hot dogs. But they're not thinking. I want it to taste like tripe. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to taste like, you know, fat. Like fatty chicharron, like pig skin. You know, I want that flavor. And it's like nobody was doing it. Is that also because when you started making vegan food, were there other people of color, were there other minorities doing vegan food from their cultural upbringings? And compare 10 years ago to when you started to now about the people creating vegan food. Well, there was, there was one, there's a spot in Oakland called Solely Vegan. 
And I'm going to shout them out here just because they were the one, like them and a cafe called Timeless. They were the two that just blew me away. One solely vegan is doing soul food in an area where it was kind of a food desert. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is the answer. Because like, well, you have a bunch of shitty bodega food everywhere. And everyone's like literally eating Japanese peanuts and, and chips and those banquet dinners with chicken in it, the fried yeah. chicken banquet dinner. Everyone's like living off of that in downtown Oakland. And bodega prices are 300% above what the hell regular grocery, grocery store, store prices, prices are, you know? Are. So it's yeah. ridiculous. And then here's a spot called Soli Vegan offering barbecue, offering cornbread, offering greens. Everything's vegan. Huh. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to taste it. It was good. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't ribs. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. But I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting shit, honestly. I was expecting to be disappointed, to be like, this is crap. And I'm seeing people of color make my food. And I'm like, okay. And I see a bunch of uh, portraits and pictures everywhere. And I'm seeing like a ridiculous amount of people are like black entertainment just everywhere from back in the 70s. And and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, she's something's happening here. Like this is significant because everybody else is like doing, you know, paninis and, you know, salads and this and that. And like their vegan food is so bland. And this was like, no, this is straight up barbecue. So another spot that I went to was called Timeless. It was a cafe, and I didn't know they were vegan. They don't announce it. They, don't, they literally do not announce that they're vegan. I went in, and I'm like, I can't stand this fucking vegan food anymore. I'm going to have a fucking cheesecake. You're just going to go for it. I'm going to go for a fucking yeah. cheesecake. I, I wanted a fucking <laughs> cheesecake so bad. Dude. Like, there's, there's certain things that I like crave, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. So I, I, was, I was ready to break. It was like maybe second year into veganism, third year into veganism. And I'm like, I'm ready to break. I go to this place called Timeless. I get a cheesecake. And I'm eating it. And I'm loving it. But something's not right. And then they look, they look at my confused face and they're like, well, what do you think about the vegan cheesecake? I'm like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, everything here is vegan, but we don't announce it. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then right there, something lit up in my mind. And I was like, I'm not going to tell people that my tacos are fucking vegan. So at first, when I was out there and... and in my studio, out in front of my studio, I wouldn't tell anybody that it wasn't carnitas. Mm-hmm. I was selling carnitas. That's it. To me, it was like, you know, I'm not going to, oh, it's faux carnitas. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's plant-based carnitas. It's veggie carnitas. No, it's fucking carnitas because it tastes like what I remember carnitas being. And this is, and and you know what? I'm a person of color and I can say it, damn it. All the votes yeah. at race card and be like, I can use carnitas. You can't use carnitas, but I can use carnitas, you know? So, yeah, I made it and it was it was a hit. You know, people saw me sloppily doing these talk. Like they, I didn't even have the radishes cut. Like people were cutting their own <laughs> limes because they felt bad for me. I was taking money and then like washing my hand real quick and then doing the food and then washing my hand and then taking money. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? You know, but I sold out. And the second people had it, they were like, what the fuck is this? This is, dude, this is some next level shit. And I told them, fine, guess what? Next week I'll be back with my carne asada. And next week I came back and there were about 50 people. Wow. After that, I just had lines. The lines were like an hour long, and people would just chill outside. And there was a liquor store right in front. So people would have like a six pack, a 24 pack, and be chilling for the day, just eating tacos, like in downtown Oakland, chilling with a bunch of artists, with a bunch of musicians just hanging out. Suddenly, there was a block party every two weeks. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. And like still to this day, 15th and Harrison in Oakland, I'll give them a shout out because it's like, it's just a bunch of artists and studios who, Every week, like they have a block party every other week, 15th and Harrison. They're just kicking it. So many different vendors there. So many different people just. So during that time, you were announcing where you were going to be. 
On Instagram? On Instagram. That's it. Instagram and word of mouth was enough. I mean, the vegan community in the Bay Area is super tight-knit. Like, the second a place is great, everyone's going to it. Second mm. a place is shit, everyone's gone. So and, what brought you to L.A.? Um, Shit's going great over there. Sounds like so. The, I mean, things are going great. Going, yeah. Things are going great. Uh, suddenly, there are these vegan kind of like Insta celebs, you know, mm. people I see in the Instagram community. Oh, you got to go out to LA. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Right, why not? So we end up doing Coachella. We end up doing all these like crazy things that I'm like, how the hell is it that like just a couple of months ago, I'm on the sidewalk. Suddenly, we're at the VIP section of Coachella and I'm feeding Brody Jenner. Hey, guy, <laughs> you want some extra salsa with that? Yeah, pile it on. All right, great. And I was, it was tripping me out. Around this time, my father, who has diabetes, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I do this, too. There's diabetes in my family, heart disease. He, when you say do this, you mean being vegan and preparing vegan food? Being vegan because, I mean, genetically, I'm fucked. That's it. Uh, genetically, I'm more predisposed to diabetes in this country. Because somehow my grandma lived to be 98, but my father in this country only lived to be 60. Mm. Ah. So, like, whatever weird genetic predisposition is happening in this country, it's not happening back in, you know, Mexico. It's happening here. So, it's, it's, I have to watch what I eat here. I can't just eat carbs like crazy. I can't eat sugar and, and things like that like crazy. And I, I figured I can't eat cholesterol-ridden foods like that. And I can't eat meat. So, when I was young, it was like a no-brainer. Do, like do you think health was a primary reason to go vegan and or was it animal activism and or all those things like what do you think was the catalyst and then what else supports that decision it's um it's like a snowball because at first whatever reason you have to get into veganism is a, is a damn good reason mine was health it starts snowballing into oh well you know i'm also helping the animals oh well i'm also helping the environment oh crap i'm actually talking about things that have more to do with race and poverty and and food deserts and why doesn't this kind of food exist in this area why is there only mcdonald's and burger king and this and that and other and other fast foods but there is no healthy option and why do every why is every healthy option more expensive like all these all these things come into play and you're starting to realize well my veganism is intersectional it has a lot to do with a lot of different things i mean if, if you're a person of color and you want to decolonize your diet you know, you want to be like, oh, I want to, I want to eat like my ancestors ate. I mean, that's a, that's a damn good reason. If you want to be, I want to save the animals because I have a dog, I have a cat, and I'm eating food, and suddenly I make the connection. Like, this could be my pet, you know? Whatever egotistical reason, whatever selfish reason you have to go into veganism, at the end of the day, it's a damn good reason. Like, there's more, there's more CO2 emissions and nitrogen emissions from livestock than anything else out here. Uh, we could end poverty. I mean, we can end hunger in the world many, many times over. But most of the grain that's being fed is being fed to animals. And it's being fed in a, in a factory food way. So it's like the meat here is crap. I remember meat in Mexico being red, you know, bright red and, and being incredibly flavorful and, and just ridiculous. And then I remember when I stopped eating meat, it was kind of because the meat over here sucked. Like, it, it just tasted different. It was rubberier. It wasn't fresh. It was like, it was weird. It was this, this odd texture and taste. And I don't know. It, it just separated me completely because I was like, well, this isn't, this doesn't taste fresh. And this is coming out of like a plastic container, like, you know, yeah, at a grocery store. I'm like, I, I couldn't make the connection anymore. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. This is just too, 
too processed. Yeah. Eliza, just me, but I feel like there's a... I'm going to use a term that I haven't heard, but it's how I wrap it around in my mind. But there feels like there's a veganism 2.0 kind of happening in the sense of what veganism was described as, joked as, pop culture mentioned as, you know, something I tweeted about this morning was Sarah Bennett from the LA Times calling the stereotype whole food shopping, cold pressed juice ordering, yoga pant wearing, cliches of vegan past in an article that was written about you, Raul. And it feels like the vegan food that we're talking about now when we bring PETA to the podcast, which the readership or anyone who listens to the catch-up should check out about six or seven episodes back. And the conversations were happening with you, Raul. Even as a non-vegan, I'm really interested about hearing your intersectionality with veganism and the other things that you've already talked about, whether that's people of color or that's immigration or whatever that is. But the and the food coming out of this movement, especially with the tacos that we had last night, amazing. Just simply amazing. Not amazing because they're vegan. Not vegan amazing. Just amazing. And my brain is starting to treat that food in a different way, right? It's not just, oh, that's vegan food and it was pretty good because, because it's vegan. It was just good food. And I'm wondering if you guys are kind of seeing that shift going away from that stereotype of veganism and into a new era. Well, what I'm seeing and I mean like... Yeah, like people like Sarah Bennett and people like that, they, they know culture, they know flavor, and they know where things are kind of going. There's more craft, there's more skill in getting flavor out of a couple of vegetables than there is in putting salt and pepper on a steak. Yeah. And it's a, it's a kind of a renaissance both in the vegan world of being intersectional, of being like, hey, we have a voice in the vegan world too. And it's also a culinary experience of being like, hey, well, we have skill. And there's something coming out here that's flavorful, playful, amazing, imaginative, and you're missing out just because it's being labeled vegan. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, because I like the vegan 2.0 kind of kind of dot on the whole thing because, I mean, straight up, I used to make fun of vegans yeah. all the fucking time. I still do. I still, well, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have the vegan card to do it. <laughs> I know. I, I, get, I get pulled that shit real quick. But it's because growing up, veganism got was used as a bow to put on a certain class of people and a certain type of person that I was like, okay, those are the people that do yoga. I don't fuck with that. I don't okay. get it yet. Right. And like it, it was bad. And I feel like those walls are being broken down now, but even as you're explaining pork coming from Michoacana, like that idea that that town ties so much of their food to like pork, like now they're no, they're known. So when you bring vegan tacos up, here in the states with our culture here in california and then southern california going deeper people get pissed yeah bro if i say vegan tacos and a mexican friend of mine hears about it and they're not down yet they're like what the fuck white boy yeah. like why are you yeah. eating vegan tacos because and there's so much racially charged verbiage with what i just said that is still around with like Damn, it's white to eat vegan. It is. Honestly, like the, the, the way, what you're thinking of is that alfalfa sprouts kind of, you know, veggie <laughs> burger. This has quinoa and you have to learn to pronounce yeah. new vegetables uh. just to eat here. Honestly, like, <laughs> that, that's, that's that old school way. And nobody wants that shit anymore. 
So what happens next? Like how how do we? So your pop up is obviously one of those next steps. Like the growth of brands like yours showing up at a bar that's so diverse. Everyone's in that bar: white, black, Mexican, doesn't matter. Different generations, too. Different, old, young, whatever. As long as you're 21 plus and the kids that got let in. Um, (laughs) uh, Shout out to Mission Bar. There you go. There you (laughs) go. Just totally kidding. I didn't see anyone under 21, other than my girlfriend. Um, (laughs) uh, But I don't even know where I was going with it. Oh, on the wall, on the 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 blackboard that you used within there, it just says what the taco is. It's not vegan. It's not what it is. It, it just said that, and, and you kind of carried that ethos with it that first inspired you to do it. How important is that now, like using labels, and, and what, are we, what are we doing next to, to teach people how to create this food? I still got people coming in and being angry, like being, this isn't a fucking taco. This is a vegan taco. Why are you calling it birria? Why are you calling it this? Mm-hmm. Why are you calling it that? I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm calling it birria. I didn't call it birria de res. I'm not calling it straight up. This is cow. You know, this is pork. I'm saying, no, this is a, this is carnitas. Carnitas is a style of, you know, carnitas literally just means meats, little meats. You know, yeah, it's plant-based. Yeah, it's vegan. But I'm not going to start saying, oh, it's, I'm going to, I want to sell people on this. You know, it's flavorful food. And if that means I'm going to omit the word vegan or omit, you know, little quotation marks around it, then fuck it. So be it. There's so many people that come that eat my tacos that have no idea that they're vegan. Later on, somebody tells them or they read that vegan sign or something or they come and they're like, oh, those tacos are bomb, bro. I'm like, yeah, they were vegan too. It's like, what? What, what? What's vegan mean? The people are still ignorant to the fact that they don't even know, honestly, what the hell veganism is. So like people, I found that a lot of people, maybe they're being nice, honestly. <laughs> they didn't like it and they're not coming back. Maybe, maybe they're being nice. I don't know. But I, I've never had somebody come back and like complain about the taco itself, just about how I named it or that I'm tricking people because it's vegan or something like that. But never the taco itself. I'd always be like, well, taste it. And then yeah. tell me what you think. And then like nine times out of 10, it's always, oh, bro, that was a bomb taco. That, that, that was awesome, bro. That was good. That salsa. Bro, that salsa. <laughs> bro. So I mean, that, that's the thing. Like whatever little machismo thing is connected to it, try eating my salsa. My salsa is made out of chiltepin. While everybody else, every other taco spot is going to have red and green salsa. That's fine. I have salsa de chiltepin. What is that? Chiltepin is a, a wild chili. It's this tiny little round chili. It's the first chili. From that chili, there's just variation. You plant that, you're going to have long chilies, short chilies, big fat chili. Like every, every single chili in the world came from that. Mm. It's an Aztec chili called chiltepin. It literally means uh, flea chili because it's so tiny that they used to call it, you know, chili the size of a flea. This thing is ridiculously spicy. I don't know how many Scoville units up in the hundred thousands, but in, in my house, we used to use it with like uh, soups, pozole or menudo. When you don't want to put a bunch of salsa, you just pop one of those little, you know, dried chilies in your mouth. It lasts a good little like 15 seconds of intense heat and then it dissipates. Nobody makes a salsa out of it because it's so fucking spicy. I learned to tame it a little bit with a shitload of garlic and a tomatillo, a specific tomatillo, milpero. Like this other wild tomatillo that's a little mm-hmm. sweeter. And this thing is fucking amazing. It's flavorful. It's it's ridiculous. It's just, it's so good that people will come to my pop-up just for the salsa. Yeah. People call me, hey, can I get a pound of that salsa? I'll be, yeah, sure. I guess. You should bottle it and sell it, bro. Yeah. There, you, there go. you go. That might be next. Food Beast presents. I'm, like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> bro, have you, have you had culture clashes with your own 
Latino community because when I so there was a there was a situation recently here at Food Beast where we do branded content and we. I want to get your. But this this actually this actually isn't related to Northgate at all. But what it is related to is we had a major CP consumer goods brand say, "Hey, I want you to do an international restaurant week. Is there essentially any way that?" we can do something with with spam in in Mexico, right? That's like the premise. I go straight up to Oscar in our video department and Izzy, and I'm like, hey, this doesn't seem like this is a very possible thing to like take a processed meat and go into Mexico and Mexican restaurants for them to do their takes on spam. Just doesn't feel like a thing to me. And their feedback to me is, well, there's there's a culture of amazing meat which you talked about the the meat that's red and the things that you you mentioned on the pot already i don't think there's going to be wide acceptance of that and so that makes me think about that culture of meat in mexico and you doing something insanely different and i'm curious about what the reaction with kind of with your within the own you know latino chicano community of vegan food is if they literally don't may not know what it is because i mean that's that's a catch-22 right there it's like how is your culture going to evolve if they have no idea if they're ignorant to all this thing like uh, in the same way you're saying well how dare they introduce spam to mexico in that sense how dare the u.s introduce spam to hawaii in the 50s and yet the culinary scene in hawaii now i mean it's fucking dependent on spam you know yeah so that's culture that's evolving i mean in a fucked up way yeah, we can we can say a lot of bad things about it, but at the same time, it's a culture that's evolving, no matter what, and it has to be paid attention to. Right now, in in the Mexican food scene, you have what your Oaxaca, California, you have your your kind of fresh seafood taste, your all that's coming about. But the next step is going to go back to you know pre-Hispanic ingredients, back to these ingredients in Mexico that you can find easily, but you can't find over here. Huitlacoche specifically is mm. something that I can't find here fresh. I think it's illegal in the U.S. What is this? Huitlacoche is corn truffle, to make it sound nice. Huh. But literally in Aztec, it means corn shit, like smut, like corn smut, like shit coming out of corn. Huh. Whenever you have a corn that has this, uh, it's considered a blight here, you know, it's considered a disease over here. But in Mexico, the second like that, those, those spores come out and you see Sprout, this black yeah. fungus come out of like that ear of corn, you got your tortilla ready, man. That shit's delicious. You know, it's amazing. It's deep. It's flavorful. It's inky. It's uh, earthy, but at the same time, it has a sweetness because of the corn. Like uh, you mix that with chilies and with onions, and there's this. It's a. Uh, it's phenomenal. Oh, sounds incredible. Used in a lot of holiday dishes too, it's, right? Whenever they can get, get it. Get it. Whenever they can get it, they do it, and they bottle it. You know, in glass, and they also can it. The only way I can find it over here is canned. Huh. I've never found fresh with la coche and it kills me. I'm sure they have it here. I'm sure amazing chefs who can pay for it have it here. When in, in Mexico, it's literally something of the poor people. It's like, whatever. Hey, it came out. Hey, let's, let's get that shit. You know, and, and it kills me because I'm like, man, I, I really want that food. And I guarantee you, like, within five years, that'll be like a hot ticket item. You know, it'll be like, uh, like spirulina and all these other things that come and they're like hot for a moment. You know, yeah. with la coche will be that way. Quelites. Quelites is a general term in Mexico that just means green edible plant. Like literally like <laughs> it's a regional thing. So you can go outside. Oh, verdolagas. You know, the, you just pick them and eat them. And Does someone need to use it in a juice for it to be accepted and then get <laughs> <fucking> imported <laughs> over? Like, it's, it'll, it's like the kale kick suddenly, yeah. you know. Uh, chia. 
I mean, Chia, dude. Yeah, what the fuck? Chia. <laughs> In Mexico, Chia is sold by the pound for fucking cents. Damn. <laughs> it's fucking chia. It's literally like it's been throughout the days of the Aztecs. They used to just pop that shit in their mouth for for whatever. For just, I mean, it's just chia. Out here, I it's a whole food. It's a health food and sprouts. I go yeah, to fucking Whole Foods, and I'm like, oh my god, how dare you? Like I'm insulted. <laughs> like you're insulting my culture here. Like I want to sell that shit for that much. How dare you? Like, can we talk about <clears throat> keeping vegan food cheap or affordable? I don't want to use the word cheap. How, how do we keep it affordable? Because eating at your spot was affordable. Are there elements of you're doing a pop-up so you don't experience some of some of the costs that might be involved with, well, I have a fucking restaurant in LA, like I need to pay my rent? In a sense, in a sense. I mean, you have your kind of different tiers of restaurants, you know? And with Mexican restaurants, it's never a worry about paying the bills, you know, because it's so cheap to kind of run a Mexican restaurant. All the food gets used immediately and you can store things. With a pop-up, I'm kind of screwed because it's a labor thing. I wake up at five in the morning, you know, I'm out picking vegetables. All the salsas and everything were made literally about half an hour to an hour before I started. That's why you see me coming in with bags and fucking, <laughs> because everything is literally made right then and there. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a little tough in that sense. Price wise, I'm not making a ridiculous amount of money because I don't have the amount of money to be able to hire other people to make my stuff in bulk. Mm. You see a line and my food sells out. But there's a capacity. I can only make a certain amount of food, obviously. Right. So I have to tell myself, because my bills are paid. I have to be a socialist in this sense and be like, I'm doing this for the higher good. And the higher good is keeping a fucking vegan taco at $3. Mm-hmm. Anything past $3 for a vegan taco is bullshit. Any, any taco right now, sadly, we are in Santa Ana. And Santa Ana is the home of the dollar taco, which is a disservice to a fucking taco. All these immigrants are hustling like crazy to make a dollar per taco. And they have to do that because the next immigrant on the next, you know, cart is going to charge 50 cents if they do, you know, it's just, it's that kind of hardcore immigration capitalism that's fucking up that kind of cultural scene, that kind of cultural food scene. These people deserve three bucks a taco. They do too. There's some spots out here that are fucking amazing and they're charging a buck for a taco, a buck 50 for a taco. And yet I'm going to L.A., and paying $5 for a taco that's like subpar that I'm like, what the hell? This has let kale a, in it. Let, a, let alone a taco for $13 in a sit-down oh restaurant. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean. I, <laughs> I mean, almost I'm, died I'm, just now. I know. I'm, I'm serious. But like, that's like, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's a reality. That's an, that's an actual reality. I mean, depending on what it is and who it is and who's serving it, like, that's not something. That's something I've seen. That's not just me making no, that up. No, for sure. And I think no, I we've all seen that. There's probably an average taco price in LA of yeah. five, six bucks, yeah. that's, so, that's, which is being skewed up by those restaurants. By the sit-down restaurants serving tacos in whatever the, quote, gourmet craft fashion that they're, that they're labeling it for. So what do we do? I mean, so... Like, who do we support, too? As, like, not taco creators... Like, who do we support? I mean, we, we hit our taco trucks. We love them. Mm-hmm. But, like, then we see, you know, we see sometimes an elevated, quote, unquote, sorry, a quote, unquote, elevated taco at a restaurant yeah, yeah. that might have a, a Mexican chef. But, you know, and we're like, well, we'll pay this because, like, well, maybe the ingredients are of a certain quality. There's a craft to it. And you name your own price and people decide if they pay it or not. Like, we're still, you still decide to pay that $13 taco. Yeah. It is what it is. 
so what do you do? What do you support? How do you go about? I mean, that's a, that's a weird part. I used to be very anti that, very like, you know, oh, we have to, revolution. We're going to keep these tacos at this price and screw all those other tacos. I'm never going to go to one of those tacos ever again, you know. Now I'm about the spectrum of BS like that, you know. They're, they're like, <laughs> man, yeah, my BS is like, oh, you know, I, I charge three bucks a taco. It should stay that way. The next immigrant is going to be like, I'm not going to make $3 for taco. I'm charging a buck. That's down the spectrum. This other guy's like, I'm using these amazing ingredients off the coast of Monterey Bay. I'm using this, this, and this, fresh caught from blah, blah, blah. This this chili's been blistered. And, you know, they're using all these terms. And, sh- and it's expensive to use those terms, I imagine, because they're charging a lot. So when I see... <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's a fish taco. It's a fish taco. But it took a paragraph for them to say it was a fish taco because it has all these different you know, regions and this and that. I'm like, okay. That spectrum needs to exist because I'm not going to pay for that fucking taco. And this guy's not going to make his rent unless somebody from Laguna Niguel or Laguna... You know, the, you get me? Unless yeah. somebody's going to be able to pay for that taco. Unless somebody's seeing that and being like, I'm going to pay for this culinary experience because I don't want to have to go to a dive bar in Santa Ana and wait in line and eat this guy's tacos. Well, well, I wish I could hit a drive-thru and get your tacos. I wish I had a drive-thru to give you tacos. <laughs> yeah, so and that's a good question of what the next step is because I was talking to Eli last night and the amount of people that we've known, currently know, and the amount of people in the future that we will know that will start a restaurant without ever doing a pop-up. I mean, the amount of, the amount of restaurants that just open without a community to support its food just because it feels like the right time or there's enough motivation from the restaurant tour. We were talking about last night. How crazy is it to sign a five-year lease to buy hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment to staff up, to get insurance, to do all those things. You don't know if anyone's gonna eat your food. And you haven't served your food to anybody. Brother. And that happens, that have to, that's every happening day. every day in America. I'm signing a lease and doing all that. that. We've discussed on this podcast before, opening a restaurant, fucking crazy decision. But I think it's even crazier when, like if you opened a restaurant, Oh my gosh, how much data do you already have from the people that are eating your tacos already, transacting already, driving from outside the county to get your tacos? And that's what you need as a restaurant to survive. And so to me, I'm just like, what's the next step for you? Because it feels like there's the building blocks of hype, internet audience that's translating into people, again, driving throughout the county to get your food. But where does it make sense for you uh, for your next step? It's been kind of tough deciding where I want to take that because, I, like like I said, it's a catch-22. Everything, everything I try to do, I always have to see the other end of it and be like, well, what the hell am I really doing? Let's say I had a restaurant out in L.A. in, in uh, Silver Lake. Mm. Who am I feeding? Sure. I'm not feeding the people who I wanted to feed. I, I, can't, I, I got depressed from my, you know, from my immigration job because I felt I was doing a disservice to my community. I would feel like I'm doing just a disservice to that community because now I'm not providing access to my food to the people who need it. Mm. I don't think the random, the, the general Silver Lake resident doesn't have to worry about obesity and about, you know, food deserts and about things like that. They have their tacos. They have their buffalo. That's what I'm saying. That spectrum has to exist. And I guess it takes, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, diehard political people that I, I have to think about politics and everything I do. 
Bourdain and Gold and everybody, they were talking about this early. They were like, you know, oh, you have to think politically about your food. You have to think who's making your food. Yeah, you're at a great ramen restaurant, but why are there, why is, everyone's Mexican in the back that's making your food. It's the greatest ramen restaurant over here. And, you know, it's, it's made in Japan, et cetera, but there are Mexicans making your food. You know, all these things have to be taken into consideration. And I don't know if I want a restaurant at this point. Mm. I've made more of an impact going from Oakland to L.A. to Santa Ana and back. And people copying, like literally being, oh, I can do a vegan pop-up too. Why not? Or I can start selling vegan tacos. And they have. And there are other companies now that do it. There are other bigger. They put a bunch of money into it. And they're like doing the event rounds and all that. But I'm not about that right now. I'm about showing people what can be done with veganism. One, about being a thorn on vegans aside. I'm a vegan, but like I said, I'm a hated vegan, dude. I, I cannot stand a lot of the vegans out there. I talk shit. <laughs> I talk shit. No, no, I talk shit. Look at my Instagram, people. I talk shit. I talk <laughs> mad shit. There's nobody talks shit anymore. And we need people to criticize. We need people to be out there and be like, this vegan food sucks. Don't spend your 15 fucking dollars on it. Instead, go over here and it's $5 for this Vietnamese spot. They've been doing vegan food forever because it's Buddhist. And guess what? It's fucking delicious. And nobody talks about it because it's not hashtagging vegans of Westminster. You know, it's, <laughs> of course not. You know, who gives a shit? Nobody's tagging that shit out there. But some of the best fucking Vietnamese food I've ever had is out here, obviously. So I, I, I fancy you a storyteller. I fancy you... Because again, I, I, we talked about this little on Instagram, you and I. You, you, I saw the, the shit talking going back and forth between you and some other vegan vendors. You're, yeah. trying, I, I, you're trying to spread the word of your taqueria into some LA food festivals and food oh, conglomerates, sure. right? Yeah. And, but what I, found, I told you what I found value out of you is not just the taco, but it's the person behind it, what I'm learning about your culture, about everything in the process. And I'm learning it through a dude who's vegan. You know, like that's that's a value to me as a, selfishly, it's a value to me as a consumer of just knowledge and yeah. things around there. I mean, I'm gonna tell you this, I'm gonna be as honest as I possibly can. I'm using veganism. Veganism is my fucking platform to be able to complain about all the shit that pissed me off when I was a kid in high school and shit. All that kind of stuff that's just like, you know, we need immigrant rights and we need this and we need that. Well, fucking veganism is intersectional. And honestly, that platform is enough for me to be able to say, hey, vegans, we call ourselves cruelty free. Who the fuck is picking our vegetables? Mm. Oh, you bought organic because you wanted to be a little better for the environment. Well, that's. Two hours extra work for this immigrant that they're paying shit that the second he gets fucking sick, you're on a bus deported back. And these are factory farms. These are other, I mean, you see the numbers of these people that are working at like the highest percentage is immigrants. Labor that comes legally from Mexico because it's a, it's a worker program. And that worker program, yeah, they're fucking, they're suffering and they get sick because the conditions are shit. And the second they get sick, they have no rights here. I know because I was in immigration law, like coming from one thing to the other. I used to be in sales. I, I had like a bunch of doing different jobs. I'm this emotional person. The second I can't have a fucking job, I'm, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> Fuck a career. You know, I can work at Walmart at the end of the day. Like it's if I don't like what I'm doing, fuck that, you know. So it, it kind of comes into play. It's just it's just a lot of shit out there that people aren't talking about because we sit on our high horse and we're kind of like settled and I see it everywhere. Uh, movies. I see movies that suck. And they were rated amazing by www.blahblahblah.com. And I'm like, well, who the hell is that? 
what happened to Siskel and Ebert straight up saying this movie sucked two thumbs down don't go <laughs> you know and they should know better than to make this crap because we're also in a society that I feel has really thin skin I mean I feel like you probably have to deal with a lot of blowback for your criticism and the hate and the DMs and 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 you're not alone I mean we don't review things and i was talking to you before the pod like we don't review things we talk about what's new in nature um but even us who's just trying to tell people hey this is new this is something we saw this is a creation that we've never seen before like we get hated on all the time and i'm curious about how we eli and i i think are somewhat able to hide behind a brand Right, because it's Food Beast putting out this stuff, and yeah, do we yeah. take it personal when people hate our shit? We totally do, but it's also not, not as often. I would say, hey Eli, hey Jeff, you like fucking suck. And with a personal brand like yours, when, when there's someone that's a real person behind all this shit, when you're doing your vegan ramen trek through Los Angeles this past week, and you're calling concepts out. I'm assuming that's creating enemies and I'm assuming that they're coming into your DMs and they're coming in hot. Like, how do you, what do you see? What do you process? And, and how, how do you translate all that? I'm going to quote those reality star contestants. I'm not here to make friends. Okay. (laughs) I'm not here to make friends. Like what I see is, um, I'm a glutton, you know, I love food. I fucking love food. I'm a vegan, but you'll see me at regular restaurants smelling and looking and shit and obsessing and, and being sad a little bit inside because I'm like, fuck, I can't have it, but I'll try to recreate it. You know, that, and so when I see, I had never had ramen, like for a long, I mean, I had top ramen and shit like that, but fuck that. You know, I didn't know what good ramen was and what bad ramen was. And I have the misfortune of being a vegan and I'm like, shit, well, I don't know what even real ramen is. I'm not going to be able to have that tonkatsu broth because I don't fucking want it. So I go around asking other vegans, well, well, you know, what's the best ramen out here in LA? And somebody tells me, oh, you got to go here. You got to go there. You got to go there. And I try it and they are ass. They suck. <laughs> uh, I'm like, this is, this is, this is water and miso and, and soy sauce and that's it. And this tastes like crap. I'm sorry. This tastes like crap. And so I had to take it upon myself. I'm like, I'm going to go to every single freaking ramen spot I could that's around my area and downtown and here and there. The big reviewed ones, the small ones, I don't care. I'm just going to walk in and eat whatever vegan ramen they can hand me. And then I'm going to talk shit. (laughs) I'm going to talk shit on the ones that are shit. And I'm going to praise the ones that are good. And I'm going to tell them why they're good. And why I thought it was good. And the great disclaimer at the end of the day, this is one man's opinion. This is just my opinion, internet. If you don't like it, kiss my ass. (laughs) But I've been eating ramen for a fucking month. I'm constipated because of it. And I can tell you right now that the best fucking ramen in LA is in Little Tokyo. You know? Like the best broth anyways. I can tell you right now which place has the best broth, the best noodle, the best toppings. Because I've been everywhere and I know, I mean, I wish I can like mix and match and be like, oh, I got this noodle here and I got this broth here and, you know, I made an amazing bowl of ramen, but that doesn't exist. Were people hating on that journey? Oh my God. And what were they saying? What was like some of the vitriol that people would say and like what, like and why? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Orochan is one of the best ramens in the world, blah, blah, blah. They were even on man versus beer, man versus food. Okay, that's great. It's just my opinion. Blah, blah. 
Oh, you damn vegans. You don't know what the hell you're talking about with ramen. Ramen, more like no mamen. Spanish means don't suck. You know, don't suck. Whatever. <laughs> They're like just saying the worst things that they possibly can just to hate on veganism, just to hate on my trek, just to hate on my, on my shit talking. You know, and at this point, I've developed a thick enough skin to be like, well, fuck you. I'm doing this for myself. You swear I'm doing it for you. Internet, I'm not doing this for you. I'm a glutton. I love ramen now. I mean, I I hate it this week because I'm like, I'm fucking full of ramen. But I'll be back and I'll be having a lot of ramen. In fact, uh, Ramen Quest 2018 continues in the Bay Area. Mm. There's a spot that I'm dying to try. It's called Mensho or Menya or something like that from some guy who has a bunch of ramen spots in Japan. And he decided that the spot that he wanted to open it up was San Francisco. That's his first American spot. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try your shit. And thankfully, Instagram is, is like, that's the one great thing about Instagram. It's a community where when you call someone out, they're going to see that tag. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the places that, that I thought were shit know their shit. They know I think they're shit. Sorry, guys. You know? And the places that, that I said that were good, thankfully, I mean, hey, you guys did an amazing job. You, know? you impressed me. Uh, but now it's up to the Bay Area. I got to go up there and start tasting a bunch of ramen in the Bay and see what's good and what's not. Are there a lack of real vegan media voices? And I ask that because I don't see a lot. And again, we, you know, we talk about Wally a lot and he's been illuminated to us cause he's a vegan, but I don't know of really anyone maybe and there are recipe blogs and Instagrams that that I've seen and that have sold lots of cookbooks, for example. Yeah. Thug Kitchen, whatever. Thug Kitchen's only tight because they sounded like a real person for a little bit. Yeah. And, then and then that's you find a out big, they <laughs> Yeah, and then you find out it's two it's a white couple that's at home. Like but that put that was the coolest light that veganism had for a little bit. Yeah. Frankly. And that's coming from someone that's not vegan, so there's probably dope lights in there. But that's why, like, that's why you're here. That's why we're talking because you actually you talk like a real person, you shit talk like a real person, you enjoy food like a real person. But for example, like talking with two people with from PETA or whatever, like you still sound like you're talking to someone with an agenda instead of someone who just likes food and can enjoy and go after and go on a journey because they like food. And to answer your question, Jeff, I don't see that many people right now popping up in veganism that are actually like breaking through the mold because they talk like a real person. They're not creating the same food that every other vegan blogger has made. Well, and there's an authenticity, like Rowan, I'm going through your Instagram page and yes, like the page isn't framed for reviews for veganism food per se. But when a guy who has shifted his entire life to serve dope vegan tacos talks about vegan ramen there's an authenticity there like oh i trust that because you've i mean just in the short time in our lobby you talked about seven different types of ingredients that you use to make various different types of styles of tacos right so when you're talking about vegan broth i bet you've had lots of vegan broth and i can't review that food with the same palate my palate's different and i think that's where I, I don't know if that's where you're planning to go with your Instagram, but man, that content was amazing to me because of the authenticity of your voice. I'm going to go in defense to the, I mean, the main thing is influence. It's Instagram. Instagram is great and Instagram is horrible. The influencers have, I mean, you take a pretty picture of something 
and you tell someone, oh, this is amazing. You know, you have to come here and try this. It's, it's so delicious. It is the best vegan blank that I've ever had. And you're going to get droves of people who check out those hashtags, droves of vegan coming in. And it's this kind of like insular vegan scene where the vegan influencers are trying to influence you to go to the best vegan spots because their vegan friend opened it up. It's, I don't want that. I don't want vegans to have my tacos. I'm not, I'm not here to serve vegans. I'm here to serve omnivores who want a good fucking taco. I'm here to serve people who are like, I want a good taco, but I don't want diabetes. Yeah, I want a good taco, but I don't want cholesterol. I'm, um, you know, I'm watching my weight or whatever. I'm, you know, I want the healthier option. No one's going to do that because there's, I mean, everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got to pay their rent. Everyone's got to do their own thing. It's probably a disservice to veganism to them if they were to recommend a spot that wasn't entirely vegan. I'm going to these ramen spots. They're not 100% vegan, obviously. You know, there are 100% vegan ramen spots out there. And I'm taking that into consideration. But in the end of the day, I'm not going to hold it up against another one just because it's a 100% vegan restaurant. Mm. It's ridiculous. I'm like, you know, food is food. I'm not going to label it vegan or carnivore or this or that. If you can make an amazing dish without using any meat, I'll eat it. I'm not going to call it anything separate. I mean, I'll just eat it. If it's fucking amazing, I'll I'll tell everybody, hey, this was amazing. You guys got to try this. But I'm not going to go to Koreatown, spend fucking $16 on an Impossible Burger because somebody told me it was the best version of the Impossible Burger they've had. I'm like, once you've had one, you've had them all. You know, it's got that cat food consistency. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking with it. I love the Impossible Burger. It's delicious. It's tasty. But I wish, you know what I want to see the Impossible Burger on? On a fucking $5 McDonald's-like burger. I think that would do amazing with that. Because yeah. everybody's tried to do it like pub burger style and it's like I'm biting into fucking like cat food there. I'll say it. And and it's, yeah, it tastes like me. Yeah, it's reminiscent of meat. But is it really though? Is it reminiscent of a good burger? I don't think so. I don't, uh, whenever I see the Impossible Burger, I'm like, this isn't necessarily the best burger I've had. Yeah, it's, it's reminiscent of a burger. But is it worth 16 fucking dollars? Nah. And just the burger itself. Yeah, no oh, because, because these vegan spots, they can charge whatever the fuck they want because, hey, you're there. And so the fries are going to be six bucks. And the shake is going to be fucking another six bucks. And suddenly you're spending fucking 30 bucks on Just, a burger and fries. And okay, so as, as someone who's not a cook, how do I, what do I do? Like, uh, let's say you live in LA or you live in Orange County, which I want to talk to about. No, no, for well, sure. We have a lot of listeners in both LA and Orange County. Um, what do you do? Like, I feel like, like I can't go. I can't. I can't go to these vegan restaurants and just shit talk. No, no. Because like, you got to be your own Bourdain. You got to go out there and be like, oh shit, there's a, sh- a hole in the wall, shitty small little spot here. What is that? A B or B rating? Fuck it. Let me eat it here. Let me see how it is, and then I'll make my own damn opinion over it. Because everybody else out there has an agenda. They do. I'm sorry. They're working for this person or that person. The great thing about those chefs that turn critics is they have a background. They're going to tell you if it's shit or not. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be your own Bourdain, man. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to taste all the different Vietnamese food you can. You know, I remember when I used to eat pho out here when I was a kid. The best spot that I would go to was pho Cali over on Harbor. And I tried pho here and there and there. But pho Cali was always the best one. And so after a while, I just stopped going to other places. I just started going to Fuck Cali all the time because it was like, you know, this is, that's kind of like how you develop. You need to get outside of Instagram, get outside of all that shit and, and develop word of mouth 
You know, I mean, we have to go back to that. We have to go back to that raw kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe the, stop the Yelp reviews. Stop all that crap. And just go out and try for yourself. You know, go out. And if you heard somebody say, hey, they have really good tacos over here. I'm like, go and fucking try them. They're only a buck out of here yeah. anyways, you know? Yeah. So it's, why not fucking try it? It's food. Food is, an ama- food is an amazing experience no matter what. Why would you want to have a shitty experience with food, you know? So you want to go out and you want to taste all these things so that you can be the one to be able to tell people, hey, guess what? I found this spot. It's amazing. You got to go there. And then suddenly these people are making money. And then suddenly these people are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then suddenly they're in and out. And they're still a private company with a family, you know? Mm. And, there's, and they have that element of being like, well, you know what? We're not going to change our menu. Oh, fuck it. We'll put some cocoa on there. That's it. Yo, sidebar. I, well, I, I, sorry, can, can I jump in real quick? <laughs> only, only Fine. Be- <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> because I didn't want to miss this because I think it's a really important point is that the culture of getting the best all the time is rampant. So the idea that I'm going to have a potential mediocre meal or risk mediocrity instead of always trying to seek out the best also means you lose that side of the adventure, mm-hmm. right? Because you, if you're always going to just go to where everyone else thinks is best, well, you're probably going to, you know, crowdsourcing does work to a degree. Like it's not going to be the worst when there's a thousand people that say it's pretty good. But at the same time, I think what, what I miss about food review culture and Jay gold specifically, and I'm worried about the future of new media that doesn't have the weekly magazine reviewers is the fact that it's going to be on aesthetics. It's going to be on what performs on IG. It's going to be on what those things and the nuance of what a writer can deliver in a thousand words in comparison to what people are going to see in an eight word caption are strikingly different. And to me, it's worthwhile to have a bad meal once in a Mm, while, but also keep that adventure alive. And that, and that's me personally. But again, from the media standpoint too, it's we're in a catch 22 because we're always trying to produce stuff that gets seen, that gets engagement, whatever. And that's a that's a tough battle. Because if I could, like, before this podcast, I took a picture of your tacos. You yeah. brought some tacos because last night I couldn't because it's pitch pitch dark yeah, in, yeah. in that in that bar. But if I, how I reach my audience, current like for Instagram, how I reach my audience, the food got to look good. I, I got to be, and yeah. your food does look good. It's dark at the restaurant. So, but I went out of my way, or you went out of your way to bring food so we could plate it, and it looks exactly like it did last night. But yeah, what if? If it reaches one more person that would have never had your food, I'm okay with that part of me being me living on that side of the catch twenty two for that. But I love what you're talking about, Jeff, in terms of there. It's okay to fuck up your meal a little bit, dude. It's yeah. okay to go out. I'm not gonna eat at this drive-in because I don't. I've never been there, and the Yelp is pretty new, and uh, and there's no Instagram photos, so I'm not gonna eat. It's okay <laughs> to go there and be like, oh, I fuck that burger sucks. <laughs> okay, I know now. I'm good. I mean, one thing that I learned from this ramen quest, I have a lot of shitty ramen and a lot of good ramen. There's not one place in LA that has the perfect bowl of ramen. It doesn't fucking exist. There's a place that has great noodles. There's a place that has the best broth. And there's a place that has the best toppings. You know, there's the overall general best in show. 
but I had to eat a lot of different ramen. And so for me to say one was better than the other is ridiculous. You know, mm. one had better this, one had better that. So even when I have a shitty meal, sometimes they do something amazing. Like I remember one one ramen spot had this fucking chili oil. That was fucking amazing. I loved it. Mm. It was shit ramen, but I love this fucking <laughs> this oil. I was like, can I take the oil? You should charge for the oil. Yeah, because that shit was fucking great. And I'm not gonna find that in any other ramen spot, sadly. Mm. But I can't tell them. Oh, they got the they win for the best chili oil. Like it just doesn't <laughs> happen, you know. But th- those are those small things that if I hadn't eaten at that shitty place, I wouldn't have had it. Now I want to recreate it. It's just sesame and fucking you know chili and shit. But it was it was good. It was damn good. There's probably been a dozen different people in my life that have specifically told me I'm gonna do a pop up that have never done it. And that's not a criticism. I think it takes, a lo- one, a lot of courage. Two, you have to be a doer. And three, there's probably uh, an insurmountable amount of obstacles, at least mentally, <laughs> in addition to what exists in the real world of putting a pop-up together from the location to what you're charging to what you're creating to whatever, equipment, all that thing, all those things. But for the people that are listening to the audience that have also been the people that might have talked to me about doing a pop-up, what's your advice to them? Because when when you told the story of I bought equipment, shipped it, and just without a permit started doing it, is that is that the most important thing, just to just start doing it? You have to be an immigrant. You have to be the immigrant, man. You have to go out there and be like every immigrant who's ever lived in the U.S. and just hustle. And yeah, you're going to have to take a couple of you know leeways here or there, but you're going to just have to hustle because if you don't have people eat your food, they're not going to be able to taste your food. And if they don't taste your food, they're not going to come back. You're not going to make money. At the end of the day, when you're selling on the street, it's about money. I wanted to quit that damn job. I can't do that you know, with shitty tacos and shitty service or anything. I had to learn really quickly that people will leave if they don't see certain things at that pop-up. But that's secondary to actually having the pop-up, mm. you know? I'm like, yeah, I'll tweak this here, and I'll tweak that there. And, and yeah, maybe I won't have it on this side of the street. Maybe I'll have it on that side of the street. Or, you know, yeah, I should uh, get legit with this or get legit with, you know, uh, where am I going to get my food from? I should buy in bulk. All that kind of crap is secondary. Make the fucking food and go out there and sell it, you know? That's so – dude, literally my mom, who actually start, like, listens to this while she walks to – She's one of those people that Jeff is referring to. And we Lena's we get garlic around. sauce? My mom has this garlic sauce. <laughs> it's fucking incredible, right? But Does it have know, any dairy in it? No, no, oh dude. It's just gar it's just garlic cloves and uh, vegetable oil. oil or olive oil. Yeah. It's a straight and, up uh, and she makes yeah. and she fluffs it. An aioli, a classic yeah. aioli though. Yeah, huh? but it's not thick, it's 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 fluffy. Oh shit. Two ingredients. Two ingredients. A little bit of a lime or lemon if she feels spunky. Right. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, I think that's so important. What you just said is just go do it. And they get caught up. Like my mom gets caught up and she's just like a lot of the other folks that ask us a ton of questions about like, what do I do next? How do I want to do it? Like, do I have to find a location? Well, do I buy in this amount of bulk or like, am I going to make money on this? Like, you don't know. Why don't you just do it? If you lose money on your first one, you lost money in your first, you can learn. Okay. I spent too much on garlic. I need to spend, you know, if that's not integral to your business, maybe I spend somewhere else mm-hmm. or I buy less of it, sell out and don't put as, put myself in as much risk or man, I paid too much to be inside of this bar. 
Now, I either talk with that owner about maybe getting a lesser rate if they like the, the business that I brought in for people coming to my pop-up or I find another fucking bar. How, how has that been for you? Like, what have you learned that you could pass on to some folks from the street to being in a bar to some of the other places that you've popped up? Like, what do you like? What do you not like? What did you learn? What can people use? I mean, straight away, don't expect anybody to do anything for you. Okay. Yeah. Don't ever expect any, don't have any expectations of anything. Mm. You're out there to sell. At the end of the day, this is a business. Let's go back to classical capitalism where it's like, I make a product that I think is amazing. And I'm going to put it out. And somebody else will come and start putting it out too, but whatever. But I'm going to keep putting this up because this is my product. Everything else that comes from that is you kind of tripping yourself up. Do you really need this other person? Do you really need to be in that location? Do you really need to have this specific ingredient? Does it all have to be organic? No. That spectrum exists where someone's going to try your food. Someone's going to try and like it, hopefully. I mean, if you, make, if you do a good job. I, can, I, can, I could have worried about legalities. It's Oakland, right? I could have worried about the police. I could have worried about this or that. I could have worried about the restaurant next door calling the cops on me, which is, it happens. I could worry about the immigrant taco shop across from me calling the cops on me. Yeah, they're immigrants, but they don't care. It's business. This happens everywhere. If you run a taco truck, I'm sure it's been in that situation where you park one place and another place parks right across from you and they call the cops on your ass or they start throwing shade in one way or another. It's competition. This is, I mean, food is amazing and it's an amazing experience, but when you're selling, it's a fucking competition. The reason I'm still alive, the reason I can, I can afford to pay my rent, thankfully, I'm only doing a pop-up and a dive, so my food's good. I can stand behind it and be like, look, I'm coming in with fucking bags, and I'm coming in like a, like a bum off the street, like a vagabond cook, some kind of weirdo. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, man? And, and I have a line out the door of people like eating my shit and carnivores. That's the biggest thing about that yeah. bar. They're, they're non-vegans there who see the tacos. I'm like, oh, shit, let me try it. And they come back next week. And then boom, I got one. A vegan gets its wings up in fucking heaven. You know? every, every time a carnivore eats a fucking vegan taco, you know, and and I get to talk shit with them, and I get to convince them a little bit too. You know, I get to be like, hey, you know, I'm sure somebody in your family has diabetes. What do you think about that? Like that's a fu- that's some hardcore shit. Like if you think about that, like somebody, and I don't know about you guys, but somebody in my family and somebody in the, you know, all my friends, everybody has somebody in their family with heart disease or diabetes or cancer, some shit like that. That's all preventable. It's all fucking food based. You know, my tacos at the end of the day, they're going to be greasy. They're going to be fucking tasty, but there's no cholesterol in it. It's all made out of plants. You know, so I, I don't know. It's, it's this weird kind of like. Everything, if you really believe in what you're doing, if you really believe in your food, if you really believe in the culture that's attached to your food, if you're doing it for not just, not just the money, not just the ego of being like, my food's good, but also of the respect to the culture, like no one's doing this food right now. Why not? Well, I'm going to start doing it. So that's your hook. So if, you, if you're out there and you're looking to do a pop-up, you can ask yourself like, why? Like, what about your food is it? Like, what do you want to share? Like... I, like right now, I could tell you, I have not been able to find vegan Oaxacan food. Why not? I'm sure there's a Oaxacan who's a vegan somewhere who's over here or someone with a Oaxacan family. I've never had that. I mean, like I said, Mexican food is regional. So I haven't had certain foods from different regions. I want it. I can't have it because I don't eat meat anymore. And I'm like, I want that fucking pop-up to come out. I want there to be some kind of Oaxacan pop-up that's doing memelas, tlayudas, and all these like 
amazing things that I only see without lard and without, you know, meat and something that I can actually eat. So I can eat the fucking cuisine. That's what it comes down to. Eating that kind of regional cuisine. Uh, I'm selfish. I want to eat. I want to, I want to eat well. You know, I'm sad that there's no, there's no Korean barbecue that's vegan. <laughs> what the hell, Korean barbecue? I mean, some Korean out there has to make a vegan Korean barbecue. I mean, there, there are places out there, but they're not that experience of being, you know, of putting that meat down on that griddle and being like, okay, yeah, this is cooking right in front of me, and it's a man. There's nobody's doing that. Why not? Make seitan, make your fucking fake meat, and do it in that sense. Give me that experience. I want that nostalgic cultural experience, but without the cholesterol. Yeah, a lot of the accoutrement in Korean barbecue is vegan. Exactly. Yeah. No, I still eat Korean. Oh, and there's yeah. a spot over in uh, Long Beach. fantastic. Oh, yeah. There's a spot over in Long Beach that I love. And they do vegan and Korean. But it's all side dishes or japchae or this or that. And it's like, right. okay, well, I want... They're missing the mains. They're missing the mains. <laughs> yeah. I want the meat. I haven't seen vegan Italian food out here. And it's like, come on, that's easy. You know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's great vegan meatballs. Incredible vegan meatballs. There's so much protein that you could use that gives that meatball consistency that's... I think the thing is cheese. I think Italians uh, are like, no, if I don't have real cheese, fuck that. Can we talk about cheese for a second? Oh, because yeah. when I went vegan for a month, cheese was the bane of my existence. Oh, vegan cheese. It was fucking awful all the way around. I know Be- you kind of agree. Dude, vegan cheese is ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Mostly it's that artisan craft, $10, $11, a fucking you know, four ounce little wedge yeah. of cashew, fermented cashew or cultured cashew tastes delicious you know it tastes like like a brie or like this and that but it's fucking eleven dollars for a little four ounce piece of shit i'm not gonna put that in my quesadillas i'm not gonna put that in my enchiladas i'm not gonna do that shit plus it has cashews there's a lot of people who can't eat it and there's a lot of Mm. stuff in and and let's go outside of the whole cashew thing let's just go on the processed you know chemically vegan cheese substitutes made out of pea protein and like you know dye I don't want to name names, but <laughs> go ahead, man. I've already, I'm never going to get a brand deal with Daya because of the fucking correlations I've made with human body parts. Yeah. It smells like. So, but, um, I did like the, uh, the follow your heart. Follow your heart. It's, it's okay, pretty so, good. So the follow your heart American slices. Very good. Those are amazing on a burger. Like they yeah, taste like a fucking American. Like that, those, that's a good job. Good job. Very good. Yeah. Very good, good job. Uh, when I taste something that's just factory produced and kind of just like shit and chemically and, yeah, it uh, kind of looks like cheese. It doesn't stretch like cheese. It doesn't fucking taste like cheese. It tastes like plastic. And it's like, it has this weird ass texture to it. I'm like, this is gross. And I make Mexican food. I need fucking cheese. I really need cheese. So I started thinking, I'm going to have to make my own. I'm going to have to make it not nut-based. And I'm going to have to make it melt. Because every vegan cheese out there does not melt properly. Mm-hmm. Which was your problem with pizza. Yeah. I mean, well, my problem was it... it didn't taste good. Yeah. Like it, there's cheese that I like that doesn't melt very well, and I love it. Uh, but melt is definitely a consistency and texture thing that I would like from the cheese. And even follow your heart when it's done well and they steam it and after they griddle it, it it, it does a job of yeah. coming apart. I wouldn't call it a melt. Yeah. Uh, but I like I like the cheese I had on your nachos last night. I don't know what that was though. That's well, two years of painstaking work. What are the ingredients exactly? I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's four ingredients. Okay. I can tell you right now, two of them are oil and water. You know those old craft commercials where like it'd be uh, the craft cheese is made out of 100% whole milk? Yeah. And the imposter is like oil and water and shit. (laughs) You're the imposter. I'm the imposter. I'm that imposter (laughs) that's making that fucking cheese, that melty ass cheese. And uh, it's good. 
It has a right amount, a percentage of protein, a percentage of starch, and a percentage of fat and water that cheese should have. Mm. And cheese shouldn't even really have starch. I'm just adding it in there as a binder. Mm. Like I have a little bit of a of a passive cam and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like trying to see how I can think about outside the box and have the melt, the consistency, the texture, uh, holding it together so it doesn't separate. Because that's a big thing. I mean, yeah. well, it's all oil and water. How the hell am I going to like hold it? You need an emulsifier. I wanted this cheese to be universally cheap and friendly to any allergy. Like, you have to be a bubble boy to fucking get sick from my cheese. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's those four ingredients, nobody's. I mean, I, I, I'm sure someone's allergic to, but I'm like, what oil hard. do you use? Rice bran oil. Damn, what about Good luck getting fucking rice, allergic bro. to that. Rice bran oil. Anybody who's allergic to rice bran oil, fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one email's going to come through. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll get that to you. Yeah, tweet at Food Beast you. if you're allergic to rice bran oil just because I want to say what's up. I'm sorry. I just want to see your profile picture. <laughs> but, but it changes. Like, those are the four. It's like beer. You know, those are the four ingredients. But what kind of oil? Okay, mm-hmm. rice bran oil. But if I wanted to make something a little bit more solid, like uh, like a brie, I'd use coconut oil because at room temperature, it's mm. a little, you know, more solid. Solidified, yeah. So you have to take that into consideration when you're thinking about cheese. It's like, how am I going to get this texture? Everybody uses agar-agar to, like, solidify cheese. That's that uh, Irish sea moss that basically you, you, it just thickens stuff. You see it a lot in, like, Vietnamese uh, gelatins and things like that. Um, it has a taste to it, and it doesn't melt like the, I think, I don't know what degree of temperature it is, but it has to be a pretty high degree to melt. I don't want that shit in my cheese. I want my, my cheese to be able to melt when you put it in a fucking oven or when you're putting it in a quesadilla. So that's something I had to take into consideration. Yeah. Like you said with pizza, I don't want to fuck up a pizza. You shouldn't fuck up a pizza. Pizzas are like, you know, up here. Yeah. If you fuck up a pizza, you're doing a bad job. And, well, and people will hate you for and, it. God. <laughs> the vitriol that'll come off of from people who love pizza having a bad pizza when, for me, who loves pizza... Even the worst pizzas I like, just because I like what it is, in theory. Bread, sauce, cheese, toppings. And I mean, I think we're all West Coasters, right? Is anyone from New York? Because they'll fucking kill us <laughs> out here if they taste that vegan fucking... Yeah, I've they'll nev- fucking hate. I've never not finished a slice, because yeah, I'm under that. Like, even a shitty pizza is a good pizza. Yeah. But that month I was vegan, I threw away three fucking slices. I felt like an awful human being, but I felt such passionate hatred towards the three places that i went first and then i just stopped ordering it with cheese when i wanted my pizza fix which i wasn't getting that's what i do and one place in la i don't even remember the name good that i don't remember it but i was like oh great you guys have a vegan vegan slice let me take two of those i had one bite and i threw it in the trash i couldn't find anyone to give it to I didn't want to burden anyone else with this <laughs> no, no, fucking no. awful slice of pizza. Blaze pizza. Love Blaze. Yeah. I don't mind Blaze. Blaze is great. I was like, yo, great. This is my first pizza. This is day two of being vegan. Drunk off my ass, a little bit high. I'm going in the line. I was like, yeah. Uh, does that cheese melt? And the lady, poor lady behind, she had no idea. She's like, yeah, it'll do a good job. I was like, you should not have told me that. She, <laughs> she piles on the diet cheese yeah. and runs it through the thing. I'm fucking hammered, so I get through a slice. And then by slice two, I'm starting to come to a little bit. My eyes are starting to roll back from the back of my head, yeah, yeah. back in the front. <laughs> I'm looking at the slice, and all I could think of is this is just boogers. Yeah, yeah This like, is oh, just, oh. that boogers taste better than this, bro. <laughs> I was thinking back to childhood when I would fucking pick my nose and eat it. I was like, that was a better time of food than right this fucking moment. And I took the whole thing at Blaze and threw it in the trash and walked home. Like, 
And and I almost didn't eat Blaze for three months. Mad. I was upset. <laughs> I was upset. Like this day two of being vegan, it shouldn't be this bad. Yeah. Luckily, by day three, four, I found out like just fuck diet just fuck cheese. The there's just so fuck the vegan like cheese, there's so many other great options out there. But it's cool to start seeing like your cheese last night. I was like, more people need to have that. Like you, you can have nachos with the experience that you think you wanted out of nachos with that cheese. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's some artisanal people who are making fucking amazing cheese. Mm. I think in the Bay Area, like a lot of these people are in the Bay Area, yeah, because that's the hippie fucking you know center of the world. That's the epicenter of vegan too. Like I know everyone thinks it's L.A. and you know the yoga pants scene and all that kind of stuff, but when you have a Everyone in Berkeley is vegan at one point. You know, all those people are so fucking die hard. They're like, nah, nah, fuck this. So you have people out there who have that experience who've been making amazing things for a long time. And there's a spot up there, Bare Knuckle Pizza. Bare Knuckle Pizza. Bare Knuckle Pizza. They use cheese from the butcher's son, which is a, but- a vegan butcher. Yeah. And I, I know him personally. Wait, Peter what does a vegan son. butcher mean? Uh, yeah right <laughs> no because I, I really don't I really, I really don't know like so, at I mean, all what that would mean like he's part <laughs> the butcher son is part of this like uh, little renaissance that the Bay Area was having for a while it was like I was making my tacos you know and we there were people like from Taiwan making like vegan Taiwanese stuff. there were so many different people making things and then you have the butcher son he's straight up doing Italian Jewish style deli stuff more on the Jewish style and more on the Jewish deli stuff and he was selling fucking like awesome sausages and like these roasts that look like roasts and you it was all on instagram this is the only way you'd be able to see it you'd have to call him and order like lunch delivery and he'd come deliver you this amazing fucking sandwich that was just like this tastes like roast beef i don't know how the fuck you're doing this but this tastes like fucking roast beef you know and then he just got such a following that he said fuck it i'm gonna do this i mean he was always planning to do the butcher shop and then things finally clicked. Right now, his lines are out the fucking door. He just moved, like, across the street. Across the street, there was a delicatessen. He first opened up, and there was a delicatessen across the street. He's like, <laughs> that's my main fucking competition. They closed down, no. and he bought that fucking spot. Right now, the butcher's son is at a spot that used to be a regular delicatessen. Oh, that's shit. That's wild. A regular deli. Bars. Market. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout them out, because I fucking love the food out there. Like, if you want a good vegan experience for your first vegan experience, go to the Bay Area. Okay. Any pop-up out there, they're doing justice. There are Peruvian vegan pop-ups right now out there. Like, who the fuck is doing Peruvian food in the first place? Thank you for doing a vegan... I, you know, I, I don't get a chance to eat all this stuff all the time, you know, because I'm vegan. And it's like, I'm, I, I can't just go to any random restaurant and make, oh, can you make a vegan version of it for me, please? They're going to laugh at me. Or it's going to suck. Or, or both. Or both, <laughs> honestly. But you have these people that are like, well, I'm Peruvian, and I'm a vegan, and I'm in the Bay Area, and you know what? I'm going to try to do this. And they're doing Lomo Saltado and they're doing all sorts of things that I'm just like, wow, this ceviche is amazing. And it's not my Mexican ceviche. This has potato in it. What the fuck? Like, like, it's good shit. All right. Top three vegan restaurants people need to try right now. Ranked. Ooh, ranked. Where? Ranked. Where? Because that's the thing. I mean. Let's assume I'll travel anywhere. Anywhere in California. I want the top three ranked from the gentleman who makes one of the best tacos Period. All right, all right. Now that's you're putting me on the spot. I'm gonna get so much hate mail from this. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you're gonna get three love letters. We <laughs> got three love letters. All right, here in Orange County, okay. in Tustin, Free Soul Cafe. All right. And what do I order when I go there? You're gonna take a date. You're gonna spend a lot of money. <laughs> God, it's one of those. But you're gonna have an amazing fucking experience. You're gonna get the pizza. They have this fucking pizza. That, any pizza there's great. The burger itself. They make a burger. Yeah, it's got mushrooms. 
I can't make this burger. And so I'll go there and I'll spend the amount of money on a small little, you know, hockey puck of a burger. It's tiny, but it's fucking amazing. You know, and I can't have it anywhere else. I go there constantly. Their curry ramen made it on my list as the most expensive ramen. <laughs> 15 motherfucking dollars a bowl. And I'm going to go out there after this. So like, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> that shit is good. It's curry ramen. It's delicious. I mean, it's not going to make my list of best ramens, you know. But like I said, it's still good just because that curry flavor and they do things well. They have this coconut cake that I've fed to my mother countless of times, and she'll go out and be like, hey, get that coconut cake for me. Where are you going? I'm like, yeah, I'm not ever going to tell you it's vegan. Because the second I do, she's like, oh, you're trying to poison me? What the fuck is this? So Free Soul Cafe, if you're going out for a good day and like you want something nice. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now, also, sadly, also in Orange County, I'm sorry to hate on both the Bay and LA, but also in Orange County. No, you know what? You know what? No. I'll give you one in the Bay right See, now. See, I was not even from Orange County, which is tight. I, I gotta think, no, no, I'm from Santa Ana. Dude, born, born and raised in Santa Ana. Born and in Santa Ana. Born and in Santa Ana. Oh. Uh, the, my, gang, my gang territory was <laughs> Santanitas and, uh, and F Troop. The vicinity that was under that fight there until like 97 when Lyman oh. told him to shut the fuck up. Anyways, um, but no, that, like, so I know food out here in, okay. in, in Orange cool. County. A lot of, that's the thing. You go out to Westminster, you can find vegan versions of everything that's fucking amazing. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to change it up, and I'm going to say the Bay Area has a spot called Golden Lotus. And I'm only saying it because every single time I go to Oakland, this is my the first spot that I go to. I go get a coffee because they have amazing coffee in the Bay Area. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I go to Golden Lotus. I get what's supposed to be gasausa. Gasausa is a chicken lemongrass chili. Like it's some shit like that. Gasausa out there. Some, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm doing it like, I'm sorry, guys. But... <laughs> But it's amazing. They call it because, you know, they always have those fucked up menus. It's called gourmet happy family, you know, fucking <laughs> meal and shit. That kind of. So I think it's like gore, gourmet spicy lemongrass delight or some shit like that. But it's, yeah, it's fucking delicious. Okay. I go every time. It's crispy. It's, it's amazing. Their fuzz gray. Every, everything they make is pretty good Vietnamese stuff. You know. okay. uh, and then I, I'm going to have to give something to LA too. And I, fuck, LA is hard because there's a lot of shit in LA that's good. Yeah. But you got to You have that third spot, that coveted and, third. And I'm like trying to think, well, where do I go to eat all yeah. the fucking time? Yeah, that's what I want to. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to fucking. Oof, that's hard. That's hard. Imagine we're going tonight. We're going right now, after oh, this podcast, like and people are gonna meet us there. And people are gonna meet us there. Yeah. Okay. And I want to impress these people tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but you, you want to impress your taste buds. Oh, these people aren't vegan, huh? Are they yeah. vegan or are they not vegan? Oh, I'm trying to like, vegan. oh, okay. okay. Uh, well, I'm not vegan. I'm gonna go with you. Okay. There so you there you go. Okay. Okay. We are gonna go yeah. to. Oh my god! Fuck! The suspense is killing me. All right, we're gonna go to Mohawk Bend. But 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 and Mohawk Bend. Before you love me, I'm gonna talk shit. <laughs> it uh, wouldn't be you if you didn't talk some shit. Of course, of course, of course. So we're gonna go to Mohawk Bend. And we're gonna get only the pizza and only the buffalo cauliflower rings. Everything else, I'm gonna just yeah. No, only the pizza and only the cauliflower rings. Those are the best ca- cauliflower wings are this thing. They're ubiquitous. You can find them anywhere. But fucking the best ones that I had were in Mohawk Bend. Their pizzas are amazing. I've never had a bad vegan pizza there. Everything else is kind of meh. And I'm not talking shit on it. They have a great beer. They have great everything, I'm sure. But the reason I go there is that pizza and that cauliflower. That's about it. And then, because that's the thing with LA. There, I don't think there's one spot that really has it down completely where I can go like, this is a 100% vegan restaurant that I can go and have various dishes mm. that I enjoy. Like, I can bring anybody here, and, and you can order the ramen, and you can order the pizza, and I can have the burger, and I can have this, and it's all around amazing. No. 
That doesn't exist. But there's amazing veggie burgers here and amazing, like modern times in downtown LA, that dankness dojo. That's some of the best fucking chilaquiles I've had. I'm sh- shout out to you, Modern Times. You guys have some of the best chilaquiles I've ever had. Now, here comes the shit talk. It's always salty, <laughs> but it makes me want to drink more beer, which is good. Good job. job they got well you done. on that cycle, dude. Hey, I don't mind it. They have fucking... Uh, so, okay, maybe Modern Times... Because they're up there, too. They have uh, biscuits and gravy with sausage. That's awesome. But those are the only two things I get there. Because you know? they're worth it. I'll go to Beelman's. You know, and I'll get the Impossible Burger and then hate myself for getting it. But I wanted a burger with a, you know, pretzel bun and all that Beelman's shit. Beelman's is so tight. Dude, I, I like it. Beelman's honestly. is tight. Well, I mean, I think it's fair to, it's okay that there's not a spot with all that stuff. Because even if you were a meat eater, there's not a spot with all that stuff. Yeah, like, right? Yeah. Like, what what cafe do you have where, like, everything on the cafe is, like, the best club sandwich and then the best chili and then the best clam chowder? Every spot has, like... Well, Norm's, you know, obviously. Shout out to <laughs> Norm. And they do that shit 24 oh, hours a God, day. Uh, 24 <laughs> like go to sleep <laughs> man i want to talk more i want to hear more about i, I think i like i like how much you microdose on your instagram oh, and i brother. think that Ooh. could be a whole fucking thing but it i know i thing. know we're closing up on time but oof, no i've been, I've been, I've been on about, episodes of like i was on high and hungry where i had to like fucking smoke a shitload of weed and cook i'm gonna be on the next bong appetit season okay I, sh- I don't even think i was supposed to say that but whatever uh, <laughs> they cut you out yeah right so i heard no so i was gonna be i heard no you weren't <laughs> so you were gonna be on <laughs> i was gonna be on a thing well you'll see be real on there be real <laughs> is a new host i think but uh, i mean there's a bunch, I, I do drugs I, I i not drugs i smoke weed i'm sorry weed is not yeah it's not a drug yeah anymore. i smoke weed i love it and it's part of my daily thing i wouldn't come up with my tacos if it wasn't for fucking weed Huh. Honestly, like I, I smoke before I eat and I enjoy that meal quite a bit more. I start thinking about what I'm eating. I start thinking about the flavors that I'm actually experiencing and thinking, how can this translate onto my plate? Right now, I'm obsessed with trying to make blood sausage, vegan blood sausage. And that's why I'm on the search for wheat lacoche because it's so inky black. I could probably use it as squid ink. I could probably use it as whatever like super black, sweet, earthy thing I needed. Huh. So that, that's it. It's about getting fucking high as fuck. And then just going into the kitchen and making whatever stupid random thing I wanted that day. Dude, I feel like a G when I smoke and I eat. I, I, I smoke and then I go to my kitchen. I have uh, edibles. I like edibles. Yeah. I go in the kitchen, hour, hour and a half into, into my edible. And then I pull grapes out of the fridge. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Then I get a red cup, solo cup. Oh, yeah. Peel all the grapes off the stems, put it in the thing, right? Have one grape. I'm like, Ooh, that's nice. But then I chop a lime, Ooh, squirt the lime <laughs> over the grapes. What I got is, red and green. What is happening? <laughs> a red and green. It's coming, Jeff. It's coming. Ooh. And I'm having a moment in the kitchen with these grapes. It's so good. And I'm so elevated. These are the best grapes I've ever had. Probably from Ralph's. <laughs> I yeah. open the drawer in my kitchen and I find index cards. I write down the recipe. <laughs> Oh, grapes. Fuck, yeah, I yeah, swear yeah. to God. I swear to God, grapes. Half a lime. Right? I wake up the next morning. <laughs> red solo cup tipped over. <laughs> Index card. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, well, now I have the recipe for these fucking like sweet and sour grapes. grapes. <laughs> and I do this like every every month or so. I hit that level of high when I'm by myself safe at home. And I do that with like popcorn. <laughs> And like, oh, open up the bag of popcorn. I'll find different spices to throw on there. Lime as well. Yeah. Uh, 
tapatio, sriracha, whatever I feel spunky, sometimes chili powder, whatever. You close the bag up of popcorn, you shake it back up. Oh, I'll pull out another index card player. Like that? Oh, my God. I got a cookbook. I should launch a cookbook that's just all index cards of high recipes. <laughs> I just wanted to say I like that you uh, are that open about microdosing on your on your Instagram because you're, you're like, I see you like pop a mushroom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it really does open up the creative juices. And like, I'm joke, half joking about it, but like it, there are elements where if you can blend the right high with the right food, it really makes things taste a little bit more elevated in your mouth. Um, I mean, it's an experience. And at the end of the day, everything is that kind of like dopamine push, right? Like you, you want to please your brain. You want to please that fucking center of your brain. A lot of it is like, I'm bored or I'm tired of the food that I've had. I'm going to pop some mushrooms early, like a stem or in a cap, you know, microdose. And then throughout the day, I'm going to have these ideas and these, like, I honestly think it's a, it opens my mind creatively a little bit more. At the same time, de-stresses and brings down my anxiety a bit. Mm. I'm an anxious motherfucker, dude. I do pop-ups and I'm like, I have insomnia. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. Like everyone else, I'm a mess. So I take those things to relax and at the same time be the best me I can be in a sense. Creativity, like creatively. I can get stuck in a rut. I could be thinking, oh, you know, I'll just make a ve- another vegan taco. Another fucking, you know, I'll just make this, or I'll, and it's boring. I had an experience where I had a little bit of uh, mushrooms. I was smoking, and all that I had was green strawberries, unripe strawberries. I made a fucking ceviche from it, an aguachile. Oh shit! Uh, to this day, I'm like, I, and I shouldn't be saying it over. The, everyone's gonna steal this now, but <laughs> I was it. like, dude, that was fucking amazing. It had the the sour acidity that you would have from 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 a regular ceviche, but that strawberry flavor that was like, what the fuck is this? This is some next level shit. I loved it. It was great. And that's, that's right there. Mushrooms and fucking weed. That yeah. did that. I made a beet chorizo. And I'm going to get dirty, dirty and say a little perverted shit right now. So beet chorizo. I, I just thought it was funny. Chorizo means sausage, beating your sausage, you know, beet chorizo. That oh it was God, just I funny know. to me. Talking. It was just funny to me. <laughs> I have a sick mind. And I didn't put that too. Yeah, I was like, I love his beet chorizo. Put, put it together and, and think about this. Beets are like a natural, I mean, they dilate like blood vessels. And so they get your blood pumping. You drink a bunch of beet juice. You're going to have the hardest erection after you get that erection. I'm not kidding. Are you like, serious? Drink All I get shit, is red bro. shit. Well, yeah, that too. I, I mean, you know, you but now I know one without the other. You know? Okay. Very but, good. <laughs> but. Be chorizo. I was just like, fuck, chorizo is the nastiest, most unhygienic, disgusting thing in the world. I mean, it's salty and it's fucking oily as fuck. I'm going to put a bunch of beets in it, you know, fucking make it season the same. I think I had, I just had beets lying around. I had like a canned thing of beets and it's already soft. And I said, fuck it, mm-hmm. I'm going to put it through my sausage grinder and try to make it like a sausage. I wasn't even thinking chorizo, but it was like so sweet and earthy that I was like, nah, I need spice. So I made it like a chorizo. That's the best selling fucking taco I have. Everyone's like, dude, this is some next level shit. Oh, it's got all those five flavors and senses. I'm like, bro, I was high as fuck and laughing at a perverted ass joke. That's it, bro. But thank you. You know, now you get to beat your chorizo too. Hey. <laughs> and, and like I'm saying, that's all that creativity. That's, that's why I'm like a big proponent of microdosing. I'll do it on my fucking, you know, if people can say, oh, look at this guy. He's got a successful pop up and he's running a business well. And, he, you know, he seems like an okay put together guy. He's together. Kind of. You know, but, you know, I'm microdosing and I smoke a shitload of weed and I, I drink, you know, not crazy, but I do like craft beer. Like I used to not like beer, but craft beer is, you know, it's opening my mind to a bunch of flavors. It's all about experiences. Honestly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Raul, thanks for jumping on the pod, man. Right, thank you guys for having me. Let that me, was fun. Let me shit talk. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where, where can people uh, follow you on Instagram and any other social network? We're The Vegan Taqueria on Instagram. So you can just at The Vegan Taqueria. Uh, the name of our actual taqueria is Taqueria La Venganza, which straight up just translates to Vengeance Taqueria. Yeah, so you kind of see the whole yeah, motif yeah, of shit talking and kind of like, you know. I like that. And uh, we're literally in Oakland, LA, and Santa Ana. You have to f- look for us on Instagram, yeah. obviously, because I'll just pop up wherever the fuck I want. Guys, but it is worth it. If Follow us on Instagram, follow us there, and go try it. Yeah. If you like tacos, fucking try it. Yeah. I'll smoke you out. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I do crazy shit, trust. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Um, please do follow us at the Food Beast Catchup. Uh, on Instagram is it at Foobies Ketchup at Foobies Ketchup on Instagram uh, DM us there if you uh, you guys are giving us great ideas for guests so we're loving your reviews too leave those keep leaving those on iTunes screenshot uh, in Insta stories and tag us and uh, we'll interact with you guys appreciate you guys listening and uh, until next week have a happy Thanksgiving happy Thanksgiving bye guys see y'all <laughs>